Good morning. I want to go ahead and take a, uh, a shot at answering some comments and questions here raised uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, raised by Patriots Unite 45. These are great comments and, and, uh, and, uh, and things that uh, we want to address. So by the way, these comments come in response to a post that we put up regarding uh, called Your Kingdom Come versus the Great Reset. The idea of the difference between the coming kingdom of God uh, when Christ returns in Revelation 19 and establishes his millennial kingdom and how different that will be from the sort of utopian view that is espoused by those that would seek to push the world into what is called the Great Reset. This is something we've covered uh, quite often and will no doubt cover again. But there is a difference between this world that man is trying to create in our modern day. This, this, by the way, has been something that has been the attempt of many uh, uh, people seeking conquest throughout history. But in our modern day, uh, a group called the World Economic Forum, led by Klaus Schwab, we've mentioned often, has written prolifically about this. Um, he uh, is leading a movement that is seeking to sort of bring a utopian kind of Marxian world together here, where everybody's in unity, nobody owns anything, but we all collectively are part of a, a body of humanity that will live at peace and, and live in a world that is, you know, green and utopian and all this kind of thing. However, the problem is, is that they're trying to do this completely apart from the God of creation. Uh, they have their own view of what this should look like, and God has no real part of it. And so the kingdom that Christ will come and return and establish to, uh, to establish is something very, very different than this sort of pseudo-utopia that, um, that man is trying to create and has been trying to basically, in one way or another, bring about throughout much of his history. So the comment comes on the heels of that discussion. And, uh, and again, these are good comments and such, and I want to try and address them here. So uh, Patriots Unite 45 says, this was good. Thank you. My only con- By the way, you're welcome. Thank you very much for the comment. My only concern is that Christians seeing the coming of Jesus end up pushing for this to happen quicker, therefore, not fighting back against the evils of this world and allowing evil to grab hold of more and more power, thinking this will ultimately speed the process of his return. Now, there's more, but I want to just take this first part first. Uh, The basic issue being that if we are so excited about Jesus coming to establish his kingdom, uh, we therefore would sort of naturally sit back a little bit and sort of let the world fall apart so that Jesus will come and establish his kingdom. Um, Now, I I will say that I can see where that kind of thinking, you know, would seem and feel natural. But but let me suggest that 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 is a little bit subjective because, and, and even in some senses, if someone adopted that mindset, I should say, not not you, obviously, who's commenting, but if somebody did, in fact, adopt the mindset you're describing, espouse that idea of just sort of, hey, let's let the world fall apart so Jesus can come, there there is sort of a non-biblical element to that. Um, it is a little bit subjective because, uh, like like I, for example, don't in any way agree with that mindset. I would I would never feel as though I should just sit back and let the world fall apart hoping that Jesus, that'll make Jesus come sooner or something. Um, uh, it's quite the opposite, actually. And I think quite the opposite because the scriptures encourage us to think differently and to do differently. Um, you know, for example, uh, if I may just start with this idea, the scriptures clearly encourage uh, looking with anticipation for Christ coming, uh, both in the rapture, but in more directly to the point of this comment, to the idea of him establishing his kingdom. Jesus himself, remember, encouraged us to pray that very thing. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He invited us to pray 
for that. And so we know that's that certainly is will for us to look forward to that happening. Uh, also, Paul encourages people, uh, the, the Thessalonians in particular, uh, to uh, encourage one another in the light of Christ's coming. Now, in chapter 4, he seems to be referring to the rapture in that regard, but in chapter 5, he also, in the end of that chapter, encourages the believers to encourage one another in the knowledge that we're not appointed to wrath, Christ is going to come and set things right, we should be encouraged in knowing that day is coming. So the idea of being encouraged at the thought of Christ's coming, or, or the idea of, of, of looking forward with great anticipation and coming together and celebrating that truth and looking forward to it, is something that should be seen as a great encouragement for us. However, that does not mean that we should sort of just sit back and do nothing and let the world fall apart. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, oh, what am I thinking of here? How about in, uh, um, how about let's, let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 um, a lot of us think of Ephesians chapter 5 as speaking, you know, the marriage, uh, things men and women in marriage and that kind of thing. But prior to that, Paul is talking uh, about the idea of walking in light, okay? He encourages us to walk in love and also to walk in light. And he says these things in verse 8, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, okay? Now, the implication there being that we are walking in light in a dark world. The idea of, of us shining our light so that men may see the good works we do and give glory to, to our Father in heaven. The idea of walking in the light as opposed to darkness in that. We were once in darkness, now we're in light. There's a contrast that is clearly spoken of there, and what is implied there is that as we are walking in light, we are shining that light in the midst of a world that is continuing to walk in darkness. So that's what's laying the foundation here for what he's saying. And he goes on to say then in verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is all is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding what is acceptable to the Lord, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And notice this, this, this encouragement here. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, darkness, but rather expose them. Okay? So as light, don't participate with darkness, but expose what is there in the darkness. Make it known. And it says, uh, that word expose, by the way, means to reprove, to expose with the intention of correcting, to um, to basically um, um, you know uh, point out the error of it and make it right, all that kind of thing. Very clearly, believers are supposed to stand against darkness, expose it, make it be known for what it is, um, not to sort of just roll alongside of it. Which, if we just sit back and wait for Jesus' kingdom to come and don't participate in the idea of shining light in a dark place then we will be doing the opposite of what Scripture encourages us to do. Rather, instead, we should stand against uh, wickedness. We should stand against evil. Uh, we should put on the whole armor of God, and having done all to stand, to continue to stand, right? The idea of standing against those forces that are coming against, not just us personally, but against the light of truth, against the gospel, against the the proclamation of, of the gospel and such, and the idea of people being changed from darkness to light. Uh, Jesus' own teaching obviously encouraged us to recognize the difference between the broad road that many walk on that leads to destruction and the idea of walking on the narrow path that lead to everlasting life. The idea is that we are to bring people off of one and lead them to the other. Of course, that's always the work of the Holy Spirit, but he does invite us to sow and to water and that kind of thing as he goes and gives increase. And so we participate in these things. And by the very nature of doing that, we are 
standing against the kingdom of darkness in this world around us. So how does that find expression in practical terms? Um, well, I think it, it means speaking out against evil. For example, uh, all of the, um, um, you know, when Christians stand against abortion, not getting all in the face of, of young girls who are pregnant and beating them down and, and trying to make them feel terrible, but rather helping them to recognize life and its value and its intrinsic value as, as, as that little one in their womb is an image bearer of God and has intrinsic dignity and value as given to that child by God in that. When we speak out against that which destroys life, we are making, we are, we are standing, as Paul would have said here in Ephesians uh, 5.11, we are not uh, standing and being complacent in, in the midst of this darkness, but we're exposing it, reproving it, correcting it, calling it out for what it is, taking a stand. We should be about that kind of business, not just in that one arena, as massively important as it is, but we should be in that regard in all ways. We should always stand. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done in them, by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, uh, and so on. He goes on. But the idea here is that we are, of course, supposed to stand for what is right and against wickedness and evil and such, and we should always be standing against these things. Um, now, the... Uh, we could also talk about things like our citizenship being in heaven, about how Abraham looked for a city whose builder maker was God, about how, um, um, you know, well, in concert with this too, Second Corinthians 5, right, where we are ambassadors for Christ, you know, pleading for people to be reconciled, uh, you know, to come and be reconciled through that finished work of Christ. And so we should not be sitting back really in any sense of the word. We should be actively pursuing kingdom work. We should be actively bringing the gospel. We should be actively sharing truth where there is error, bringing light where there is darkness uh, for the sake of pulling people out of that. Now, there is, of course, having said that, and I, I do say this a lot, and and I want to say it again and make sure I'm, I'm clear about it, it is possible to be so invested in uh, in this pursuit of righteousness on the earth um, that we sometimes lose sight of the fact that regardless of our efforts, Christ's kingdom is coming. This earth is not currently the kingdom of God. We are not going to bring governments into, you know, into um, a consistent, you know, similarity to the kingdom of God and that kind of thing. We're never going to legislate the Sermon on the Mount. You know what I mean? It's never going to happen that way because this world doesn't belong to the Lord at this moment. It's under the sway of the spirit of the age and the God of this world, even as Jesus himself made clear. But Jesus is coming back to take back that which the enemy has uh, been so forcefully trying to hold on to and has been influencing for evil. So we stand uh, in Christ's name against the evil of this age, but it's not for the sake of saving the systems of this world. It's for the sake of pulling people that are in this world out of it in a search and rescue mission style fashion that they might become part of the kingdom of God. And when Jesus does return and establish his kingdom, these will then rule and reign alongside of him, even as those of us uh, who are anticipating his coming will as well, uh, already, who are already anticipating his coming will as well. So there is, on the one hand, the danger of sitting back and thinking, I'm not going to do anything, I'm going to let this world fall apart, maybe it'll make Jesus come sooner. But there's also a danger of investing yourself so much in this world for its own sake and, and trying to bring uh, this world sort of into conformity to Christ in a systematic way 
uh, that we lose sight of the fact that no, God's purposes will be accomplished. We cannot uh, we cannot see ourselves as as simply trying to bring the kingdom of God in. That's not what's going to happen. Daniel chapter two, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream: a stone cut without hands comes and strikes at the feet of this statue, representing the succession of governments, ultimately culminating in a revived Roman Empire. At which point, Christ's kingdom will come and crush that statue to dust, and this kingdom, this mountain that uh, ultimately fills the whole earth, is not something that is brought about by our efforts. And so we are about gospel business, which is about pulling people out of this world into the kingdom of God, search and rescue, not trying to restore systems and and institutions and set them up for Jesus to return in. That's not how it's going to play out. That's not what the scriptures say at all. And there's there should be no equivocating on that. There is there's nothing in scripture that teaches us that we're going to somehow make it happen. We're not. We need to get people ready so that when the kingdom comes, they're part of it when it arrives. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and, and this, again, speaks to the idea of our citizenship being in heaven. Paul says this in Philippians 3.20, the idea that we're citizens of another place. And that sense of that primary citizenship should be a, a, a foundational truth for a believer. This is why, how we understand we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Uh, again, read John 17, where Jesus prays for his disciples before he's arrested. Uh, and he speaks about this beautifully, eloquently, and and pretty clearly. That so we're in this world, but we're not of it. The idea is for people to come to faith that they might really become children of the kingdom, uh, that, and will one day rule and reign in that kingdom. But not the idea of build, you know sort of building the kingdom with our own hands here on the earth and that kind of thing. So that's one thing. Um, then he goes on and says, personally, I feel that Jesus will come back after he has made all his enemies a footstool for his feet. We see this in uh, Psalm 110 verse one, also in uh, Hebrews ten thirteen, Acts chapter two, Peter quotes it as well. Uh, does this not mean that his enemies will be defeated before he returns? That being said, uh, we will have work to do. Christians, in my opinion, should not be waiting around for Jesus' return. They should actually be actively pushing to grow his kingdom on earth. I think we agree on that, although if, um, if there's nuanced differences between our views, hopefully I've at least have expressed where I'm coming from on that already. Um, should be, way, uh, be pushing to grow his kingdom on earth, expecting his return when his enemies are defeated. So, this now, of course, does speak to the eschatological unfolding of things, like in, what is the order of events and, and such. Well, um, the truth of the matter is in, in Revelation 19, starting in verse 11, we see that when Christ returns, it is then that he defeats his enemies. They are not defeated and then he returns. He actually returns and defeats them. Now, again, the rapture and the second coming are two different events. The rapture comes prior to the second coming. There is the debate, even among those who believe in, in, in a literal rapture where Christ comes and snatches his bride off the earth. He doesn't return to the earth, but rather he calls us up to meet him in the air, as we see in both 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. Also, we see this uh, spoken of in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 58 as well. So that is one thing. The next event, uh, in terms of Christ's quote-unquote coming, is when he actually returns to the earth. We call this the second coming. Different event from the rapture. The, the description of the two events makes them clearly distinct from one another. Uh, the timing of the first event, the rapture of the church, is one that is subject to great discussion and debate, even among very sincere believers, and I think there's room for that. The idea of the second coming of Christ, we pretty much all believe that's going to happen, uh, and he'll establish his kingdom and all this. Now, there are questions about the millennial kingdom. Is it literally a thousand years or not? 
I believe it is. That is different from an amillennial view that has a very different idea of what that looks like. Again, we can all be believers and in good faith have studied these things and land on different sorts of ideas of what's in view there. But that said, um, I'm coming from the perspective that it will be a literal thousand-year reign of Christ that comes on the heels of his uh, uh, return. But his enemies are ultimately put down in that return. And we are clearly described as coming with him during that. Not only there, but also in Jude. We see this in uh, um, um, uh, Colossians chapter 3. There's this mention of us coming with him when he comes in glory. Um, you know, uh, Jesus himself talks about him coming with the saints in great glory and this kind of thing. We, we understand that there is this return of his, but we will be with him when he returns. And so that is part of how he ultimately brings uh, defeat to his enemies. Now, again, that should not in any way diminish our, our, our understanding of what our role is to be until these things come to be. Um, I, I'm of the belief that no one knows when the rapture is going to happen. I think it could come at any moment. I think it could come before I finish recording this. Um, that could be. Uh, but it might not be for some time yet. Whether it's, or, and, and for that matter, I could die, you know, I could have a heart attack. So I could see the Lord at any moment. Uh, and we should always live under that expectation, regardless of how it comes about. We should always be living as though this moment could be our last. And so, you know, how, what would we want to be doing? You know, the story is told of a pastor who's asked one day, you know, um, well, if you knew that the Lord was coming this afternoon, what would you change about what you're doing right now? And he thought about it for a minute and realized that he wouldn't change a thing. In other words, he was about the Lord's business. He, would, he knew that when his master returned, he'd find him working and all that. And that, that should be the mindset that we have. You know, uh, We should be about the living our lives as though he, we could see him at any moment. Again, whether it's through being snatched away or whether it is through uh, just passing from this earth. But that, so, so regardless of, of uh, when any of these things happen, the Bible encourages a sense of being ready. Um, you know, the idea of looking with anticipation and being about his business, knowing that you might see him in the next moment. So I think that's a very healthy thing. And I think that that perspective, again, with respect to the various different uh, views of when some of these things might come to be, I think the general overtone of Scripture is very clearly one uh, about sojourning through this world, not being too attached to it, looking forward to the next, but understanding that the Lord has called us, you know, even for such a time as this, to be instruments in his hand uh, during the time that exists between now and then. Um, it's, it's, you know, it, it seems patently, it doesn't just seem to me, I mean, I think that a, a very clear case may be, can be made through Scripture that it is patently unbiblical and unchristlike to sort of just live your life like there's like like why why worry about walking with Jesus or doing things for the Lord or anything because whatever your reason is the bible encourages walking following after him going where he goes doing what he does um and and so <clears throat> that's an active thing for him that's just you know whatever that looks like in your life or my life might might be different but the underlying motivation behind it is one of expectancy and obedience and love and responding to the grace of God. And, you know, I just, um, again, I, th- I think there's a certain subjectivity in, in, in saying that, it, that, that thinking that Christ's coming produces a lackadaisical attitude. I think it only produces a lackadaisical attitude in those who are already particularly lackadaisical. 
But for those who really love walking with the Lord and want to see him, I find I find no reason not to be serving him with great enthusiasm uh, in the knowledge that we could see him at any moment. So great comments again. I uh, really appreciate that. And I think that's a really timely thing to talk about because this discussion comes up quite a bit, actually. Um, and so I'm glad you articulated it and, and put it in there and, and kind of prodded a response to that. I think it's very good for us to be talking about it. I think it's good for us to examine our hearts and consider what our motivations are, where our kingdoms really lie. You know, Jesus spoke a lot about that, didn't he? About, you know, being very cautious about understanding where your kingdom should truly lie as opposed to where it might be right now. We should always make sure we're clear on where our uh, real true treasure is because that's where our heart will be also. So praise the Lord for that. Great, great, great comments and questions in that. So uh, as always, we encourage anybody who wants to share. I've, again, I've still got a handful that I want to try and get through in the coming days. I was going back and forth a lot today about responding to this or going into the next passage in Romans, which uh, I'll probably just do the next verse, honestly, because there's quite a bit just there for us to consider, almost as a devotional kind of a thing. So read uh, ahead in Romans, if you would, as we'll be heading back over there before long. But, um, but Father, thank you. Thank you for these interactions we can have. Thank you, Lord, for the, the hearts and minds of believers who are desiring to honor you and bless you with their lives. Father, we all want to make sure that our hearts are in the right place, that our treasure is truly, uh, is, is, that our hearts are truly committed to what you would define as being treasure, not just building up our, our earthly empires and that kind of thing, but rather instead recognizing that at any moment, Again, whether it's through rapture, whether it's through just taking our final breath, we're never more than a breath away from meeting you. And so I just pray that that would not scare us, but would help us to recognize the value and preciousness of every moment that you give us. What a gift. And it's a gift that can be offered back to you as we just commit ourselves to you anew in it. So thank you, Lord. We bless you and praise you for the fact that we do have a tremendous hope in knowing that Christ will return and establish his kingdom one day that one day you will make right the wrongs of this world, that one day you will uh, rule and reign with such authority and such beauty and such uh, pristine justice and righteousness that no, uh, that no believer would ever be disappointed in this, that we would be looking forward with such, such great anticipation with sitting alongside of you and ruling and reigning and serving and, and living in this environment that is so beautiful that you finally will usher in. We just look forward to you answering the prayer that you invited us to pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray the Holy Spirit would move in our lives and prod us and that he would lead us to, to, to understand what plow you'd have our, us put our hands on for us to just keep on moving forward, knowing that one day soon we'll see you. Thank you. We love you and praise you again in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>